Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. We lost a beloved childhood character and even more importantly, the, the man that played him. Absolutely. Unfortunately, today we are talking about the death, but also the life and career of Paul Rubens, also known as Pee Wee Herman. And that's today on Can We Talk About. Today is my birthday and my father said I can have anything I want. Good for you and your father. So guess what I want? A new brain. No, your bike. <laughs> oh, what's so funny, Pee Wee? It's not for sale, Francis. My father says everything's negotiable, Pee Wee. I wouldn't sell my bike for all the money in the world. Not for a hundred billion million trillion dollars. Then you're crazy. I know you are, but what am I? You're a nerd. I know you are, but what am I? You're an idiot. I know you are, but what am I? 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 Infinity. No, I'm not. You are. No way. Knock it off. Cut it out. Oh, shut up, Pee Wee. Why don't you make me? Why don't you make me? Because I don't make monkeys. I just trade them. Pee Wee, listen to reason. Come on! I'm listening to reason. Pee-wee! That's my name. Don't wear it out. Can we talk about the late, great Paul Rubens? Oh, Pee-wee Herman. Uh, You know you have those moments where bits of your childhood slowly die. Yeah. This feels like a big part of, especially all... All the weird kids, all the weird comedy nerds that grew up watching this. Yeah. Feels like a weird, awesome part of your childhood is just over. Yeah. I mean, I have feelings in general about this whole thing and Paul Rubens and this career and PB Herman and everything. Oh, I mean, positive. But like I went on like an interesting journey as a kid through Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman and stuff. But yeah, I mean, since he quite literally just passed away at the time of recording we figured it we'd uh dedicate a whole episode to him because i think i mean it's worth an entire episode i think peewee's big adventure was on our eventual we'll get it to was. it list yeah which maybe we still will do because i don't think this is, yeah. is this is not going to be a peewee's big adventure episode but it'll be in there because obviously that's a big moment in his career which kind of cre- like you know jettisoned peewee herman into I know you did a little research. I know a bunch in my head. Do you want to go through Paul Rubens? Sure. When I first read it and I was like, because there's a lot to unpack as a very complex person (laughs) with a lot to unpack here. And Mm -hmm. I think most people know about the controversy. I was definitely, you know, like you've two controversies, by the way. I know. Two. And the second yeah. one, I had kind of committed to my brain that the possession of... Well, I mean, we're going to jump into it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll start here. Paul Rubens actually was born in Peekskill, New York. Was he really? Yeah, which is, is local to us New Yorkers. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I feel like we can't talk about him without mm. mentioning the stuff that's going to fly out of people's mouths immediately. That he was yeah. in, you know, charged for exposing himself and masturbating in a movie theater and then subsequently uh, he had child pornography that he said was part of his art collection and he just died from a six-year very private battle with cancer i don't think anybody knew and there's just a lot 
surrounding who he was. But, yeah. he, you know, he was 70 years old when he died. He died overnight. And I mean, I'm seeing more posts of people saying that this is a very sad thing, that they're yeah. kind of like what we just said. But I I haven't seen the negative good. He was a, you know, child porn addict or whatever people are going to say. So I thought he was incredible when I was little. That weird yeah. comedy. It felt like a fantasy world, right? So yeah. Paul Rubens as the person, as the the comedian, incredible. Like he started at the Groundlings, right? Like this is where he made his first break was in the Groundlings. Yeah. Well, wait, before we get there to to to, to at least tie up a little bit of what you were oh, talking gosh. about. So, Go ahead. <laughs> so I'll say this. So and we're not investigators and we're basing this off of what were essentially what public been reported. Knowledge. Yeah, yes, public, public knowledge, knowledge, right? We're not making any justifications on either side, but I will say this. So to work backwards in 2002 and Wikipedia has it actually as kind of like a, a good sense of timeline, which is he was filming the Elton John video, This Train Don't Stop There Anymore. And he found out the police were at his house with a search warrant. Jeffrey Jones, <laughs> who... I, I, well, I just, I, we haven't done an episode on this yet, but I was just watching Beetlejuice. Obviously, we've done Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Jeffrey Jones, character actor of the 80s, went through his own, like, we, like child porn case. And out of that, there was a tip that led them to Paul Rubens, and he had an entire collection of stuff, right? Now, to be clear, at least Devil's Advocate... It wasn't like, oh, here's an entire collection of child pornography. It was just erotica stuff. And that was like some stuff that was mixed in there. Right. So I'll at least mixed in there, Tom. Mixed I mean, that, in there. That, that, that from what I read and at least his defense for what it's worth. Obviously, Jeffrey Jones, they threw the book at that guy. Right. Well, yeah. Didn't look great for him. <laughs> no, no, no. Did not look great for him. Paul Rubin's. They dropped it to a misdemeanor charge of sanity, and he, which he pled guilty to. And then when in a later interview, he sort of defended it of like he just has a giant collection of erotica. And that was the justification. It was like, it's just erotica. For like I do too. All over. Yeah. And it's Harry Potter erotica uh, <laughs> that is written fan fiction. Anyone out there, I highly recommend Manacled. But also this is Harry Potter's birthday that we're recording this. I do want to oh, just point really? that out. It is July 31st. It's Harry James Potter's birthday. Oh, man. So um, let's get that out of there. But um, And then to okay. rewind the clock, the other controversy in then the I 90s. Think everyone knows this one. Yes. Right? Everyone because knows this one. There was literally t-shirts of like Pee-wee button your fly, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Button your fly was like the Levi's or whatever thing where he was. This is before internet pornography. So he was in a adult movie theater and devil's advocate. I hate the fact that I'm playing devil's advocate to a lot of like sexual stuff here on this episode. Like it's an adult it's, movie theater though. Right. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't know, man. I like it's not like he was in a viewing of, you know, the fucking Lion King in the back <laughs> to fucking jerk in it. He it's not is. So, yeah. I, here's what I don't understand. Yeah. Why is there not more people doing that in an adult movie theater? OK. How are you so not that, just sitting there like, yep, I'm just going to be horny for an hour and watch some people fuck and then I'm going to leave. OK, so to be clear, and this is sort of like we what we later learned, right? which is we don't want to necessarily think about it, but you're absolutely right. 
Everyone's in there doing that, right? Uh, I'm glad these theaters don't so. exist anymore. Otherwise, what a waste of money for them. I mean, I'm, this is before our time. Can, <laughs> you can do it on your phone now. You don't have to be in a giant movie theater with sticky floors. But because he was Pee Wee Herman, he was being followed by people and paparazzi and people. And then someone followed him into the theater and he was doing that. And they got the police involved. And it's like, oh, no, now you're exposing yourself in public. So... Because that one, I was like, oh, fuck them. Like, yeah. of course he was jerking in a movie theater. Good for him. Yeah. I don't, it's a, you know. Right. Whatever. But that was in 91, which was very close to obviously the time when like he had Pee Wee's Playhouse and a bunch of things. And obviously you jump from Pee Wee's Playhouse to that guy is in a theater masturbating and, and you know, rested for exposing himself. And people aren't necessarily reading the deep headlines or giving him the benefit of doubt. Anyway. So to be clear, so I think the 2000s thing is a little bit, the yeah, 90s thing is like, <laughs> all right. He was, I mean, you know, the 90s I mean, thing I think made him a fucking legend. Everyone was like, good yeah. for you. Good for you. Well, obviously, like he was the butt of every joke. And then the rebound from that was he appeared at like, what, like I don't know if there's the MTV Movie Awards or, or um, forget what, she, what he appeared at. But it was an MTV thing and he gets on stage and people are applauding and he just goes, seen any, heard any good jokes lately? And then that was it. And he's sort of like undid being the butt of the joke and just became part of it. And so round of applause to him there because he obviously Agreed. like, you know, came over it and, you know, stole it back. It was the 1991 MTV Video Music Awards. He said, heard any good jokes lately? And then received a standing ovation. That's <laughs> so good. But to rewind the clock, you want to go back to like where... He came from and 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 where Pee Wee came from and everything because it's great. Yeah, he's from. He was born August twenty seventh, nineteen fifty two, in Peekskill. Um, his mom Judy was a teacher, and his dad Milton. What a good name! Because hmm. he was born uh, Paul Rubenfeld, not oh. Paul Rubens. His dad Milton was a car salesman. And it was like a military guy and then car salesman. And they grew up in Sarasota, Florida, which, yeah. you know, <laughs> his parents owned a lamp store, which is hilarious. But yeah. this kind of explains where his comedy brain came from. And like that almost circus like quality is that in the winters, the Ringling Brothers would go down to Sarasota, Florida. Oh, wow. And he was like friends with the big top families as they were called they were like neighbors to him and so he kind of was part of that world just like through them and yeah. then he joined a local theater and he was some in some plays and then in 1970 when he graduated high school he went to Boston University and then he left college after a year and went to Hollywood and started acting and yeah. I think it was like mid 70s when he was on. When was he on the gong show? Oh, that was the 70s. 70s. Yeah. OK. And then he joined the Groundlings. And I feel like the yeah. Groundlings. I mean, we've talked about it before, but the Groundlings was like the West Coast version of UCB or, you know, it was their version of that. And so this was a character that he created there at the yeah. Groundlings. And it became like their first like reoccurring show, which yeah. is fucking awesome. But yeah. The name Pee-wee that he came up with was like, this was just an extended improv act that he did. But Pee-wee was a word that was on a harmonica that he had as a kid. And he thought <laughs> it was like the funniest nickname. And then how funny yeah. would it be to make up a name for someone that's last name is a first name? Yeah. He thought it like coincided really well with what he wanted to do with the show is that 
he really wanted people to think that Pee Wee Herman was like a real person. And I don't know yeah. if you remember, but like in all of the credits for anything he did, it said Pee Wee Herman as himself. Always. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> hilarious because it was not him. Yeah. But I think he created the character and it says he was on it was his first stage appearance was in 1977 at yeah. Groundlings. Yeah. So that character alone, like that is such a huge part of our childhood. Right. Like massive. Yeah, absolutely. And then that eventually leads, I mean, into the 80s, which, by the way, do you remember who like some of the original Groundlings other actors were who appeared with him? Because he was like Conan O'Brien. Right. Wasn't he there with Conan O'Brien? And um, who else was on there? Was the main one that I remember. Phil Hartman ended up being in the. Uh, yes. Pee Wee show. He was Captain Carl. Yeah. And he left after a year because he got SNL. Gee. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow. John yeah. Lovitz. Yeah. Conan O'Brien. I see the list now. Yeah. He was friends with a lot of the people who would go on to do SNL. But to back up a little bit. Yeah. So he did the Pee Wee. Uh, Pee Wee Herman show. Was the show. Pee Wee's right, Playhouse. Right. The Pee Wee yeah. Herman show was the stage show. Yeah. And then that was going so well that they filmed it for HBO. HBO is a special, right? Yes. Yes. And okay. it was the Pee Wee Herman show. And I remember as a kid in the 90s, after I grew up watching Pee Wee's Playhouse, they would randomly show reruns of this old Pee Wee Herman show from 1981. And it was a little different. It was a little bit more adult, but it was so funny. It was clearly like a send up of like these characters and like, you know, like, fifties culture and like, uh, like yeah. you know, kids TV shows kind of things. And it was fun and it was cool. And then, you know, Phil Hartman's there and it was great. It was just a good show and it was fun. And to work backwards, even as a kid in the nineties, watching a show from the eighties that led to a movie and a kid show in the eighties is kind of crazy. But Warner brothers saw the PB Herman show, whether it was live or on HBO. And then they approached Paul Rubens and were like, Hey, do you want to make a movie? And initially he was like looking at doing like a remake of, of, I forget what movie Pollyanna. Yeah. <laughs> Just Pee Wee okay. as Pollyanna. All right. And then they were kind of going through it and everything. And then eventually when he, he was working on the back lot there, what are those called? The cabanas? I forget what they're called. Cause they set him up to write. And then he kept seeing that everyone's getting around the lot where riding bikes and somehow that like sparked something in him. And he asked if he so can have good. a bike and they were like, yeah, so sure you can have a bike. And that led to what eventually became Pee-wee's big adventure. Yeah. Well, something that I just want to point out with the character Pee-wee Herman, and maybe more when he adapted it for more children, was like, he was like a a man child, essentially. But you didn't know how old he was. Like, he was presented as like this completely no, almost like an alien. Like, no age, no sexuality. You didn't know. He was just like, first of all, the suit he wore, he borrowed from the groundlings and said he would give it back. Never gave it back. (laughs) And the the black bow tie, same story. Yeah. But just like the whole look was so strange, but also approachable. Because if you think about, if you were just to explain this without ever having seen it, let's create a show and or a character where this man dresses like he's in the 50s. He wears red lipstick. He has the whitest white pale face ever with bright pink cheeks. Kids are going to love it. Yeah. I mean, I would love to watch it again as an adult and on uh, hallucinogenics is probably incredible. But here's the thing that gets me. And this is the thing that I'm like, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know the the powers that be at these studios and stuff. You know, they're always going after 
existing IPs and things people know about, right? Imagine it's 1985. There's this movie coming out called Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> Unless you're from LA and have seen the Groundling show or randomly caught this one-off special that ran on HBO, who the hell is Pee-wee Herman? Who the hell is Pee-wee? So I do know that he was on, like he was a stand-up comedian, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ish, because I know that he was always playing at Caroline's in the city, yeah. in New York. He, he always played as his character, by the way. Once, he, got, once he became Pee-wee. And then that he was, was on Letterman all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that made him kind of a better name. Yeah. People knew no. who he was. But he yeah. didn't get Saturday Night Live when he auditioned for it. No. Actually, you know who got the role instead of him? Ooh, who? Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, well, worked out yeah. pretty fucking well for him. <laughs> He got to play the parrot yeah. in Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone, everyone, everyone worked out. But but that's what I mean. Like, all right. So even given his Letterman appearances and, and popping up on game shows and all these other like little bit things he'd show up in. I mean, I don't even have anything to compare it to. Like, it's like maybe some like YouTuber today suddenly us turning around and they have a giant movie coming out. That's because true. It's one, that's it's a good one point. thing to say. Oh, hey, he he got a movie like this was a tentpole release. This released in the summer of 85. Yeah, it did really fucking well. Yes. At the box office. Yeah. It did like forty five million dollars. Yeah. In the 80s. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like out of nowhere. It's insane. It just like it did really well. He got paid a lot of money for the show, too, from CBS, yeah. like a lot for that. Yeah. time. Yeah. Well, that all right. So but not to skip over this, too, because. Tim Burton oh, was signed incredible. on. And actually, I was going to say Tim Burton also like like sent out a tweet or something basically thanking Paul Rubens for his career because so I don't know if you you know this because I, I watched an entire documentary about something else. But Tim Burton was an animator, right? He was working in like Disney's animation yes. studios. Yep. Didn't want to be there. Want, he kept like wanting to do all these weird dark things that Disney animation doesn't want to do. And then he ends up in, and I think he does, was it Frankenweenie? Frankenweenie, yeah, that's the one that Paul Rubens watched that convinced yes. him yeah. to allow Tim Burton to direct. And then Tim Burton and him were like, yeah, like Tim Burton had said, like, they, we, he just got my sensibilities. He really liked Paul Rubens' like comedy style. They clicked. And you watch that movie and it's very much like weirder scenes, like the dream sequences and stuff tend to go in like a weird, like very you know, Tim Burton-esque direction and you get like, it, it was just really well done. And I think the combination of Paul Rubens and what he's doing as a character matching with Tim Burton's style as a director, especially a young director, I, that was just magic. That was immediate. I agree. Just, yeah. I agree. And so. there, there is something to be said. I watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure, I don't know, like probably 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Again, I was just like, I want to watch it again. Just one of those, yeah. oh, I want to watch this again. And yeah. even watching it, it there's there's something to be said about Tim Burton's brain. And when you put those two together, like, yes, of course, we're always going to watch movies from times before. We're like, this does not hold up. This yeah. is not OK. But there's just like a magic and what they did together that I still felt it as an adult, like watching yeah. it. I'm like giggling at the stupid little things, yeah. catching on to the sarcasm, but also able to appreciate like you said the dream sequences but also just like the background and the way that it felt like if a little kid was able to create like how they wanted it to look and, and go but the little kid had the brain of tim burton and the acting chops of paul rubens 
it was yeah. perfect. But also rewatching it as an adult, I was like, this is so good. Yeah. Like, I get why I love this. And I watched it way later. Like, I yeah. wasn't even born when it came out. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, but one thing I didn't want to miss, too, is keep in mind, this is also the movie that Tim Burton reached out to his buddy, Danny Elfman, and was well, like, hey, huh? I'm doing this movie. Can you help me do the music? And he's like, I don't know. I'm a little busy with Oingo Boingo, but sure, I can <laughs> stop and help you provide music for the movie and created like one of like the <laughs> most popular movie themes in history. But yeah, I mean, and you think about it, you back up for a second and it's, a, it's such a simple premise, right? He loses his bike and he has, he just goes on an adventure to his, go his find bike. his bike. It's like his best friend, his beloved bike. Yeah. And it's that simple, right? It's just all the things along the way. Think about you a little will, kid. If you yeah. lost your bike, you're the one thing that got you, especially you and I both would ride our bikes to our friends' houses. We'd ride around the neighborhood like yeah. we were some little tiny bike gang. If yeah. somebody took my bike, I can't even think about that heartbreak that would cause you as a small child. Yeah. <laughs> I get it, man. And it was also like, even as a kid, I don't know if you were like this too, but I'm always hooking up gadgets to my bike and like trying to like do, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. I would love when you'd put the baseball card in between the things so that when you'd ride, it would like piss everyone off and it was like. <laughs> oh, no. See, you know, you know what's funny? That is extremely low tech. Me and the kids on my block. Well, I was poor, Tom. I had five <laughs> sisters. I was also poor. I had to envy my my other like middle class friends whose parents actually bought them stuff. There was this like thing called like the bike defender or something. And it was literally like this like little, I'm trying to find it. Oh man. All right. So in the nineties, there was this little thing that went like where you like your bottle. We never had actual like water bottles in our water bottle holder. Those things were like, that's to First keep of other all, things. Who had that? Like we had those yellow, remember those sips, iced tea yeah. and like the icy ecto cooler. Why weren't they square? That's what everyone was drinking. <laughs> Oh, I got to find this thing. I wish I wish I can call my friend who who had it. But basically, it was this little thing that like it was all voice activated and you would like press a button. It would tell you how fast you were going or you can arm it like a like a security alarm for your bike. So if anyone moved, it, it would just start wailing. That's hilarious. And it sounds so annoying for parents. Or my favorite is I would go to Toys R Us and buy blinkers for my bike. Yeah, that's just how I know we were in different different tax brackets. You went to Toys R Us. Say no more. I sat with the same Christmas catalog from like eight months before in the summer pre-planning. Well, I know the toys will be cheaper next year because there's new toys coming out. So I might be able to get this. But this was like a little battery operated light. You'd connect to your bike and it would die after like a couple weeks anyway. But which is exactly why my mom would be like, that's a waste yeah. of fucking money. <laughs> but we did skip over something. It's like one of my favorite fun facts about our boy. He went on the dating game in character in 1979, <laughs> and he even won the date. No, he didn't. I swear to God, he's go he went on there a few times, and <laughs> one of the times he won the date, and he said it was a little like test experiment he was doing with the yeah. character, and yeah. he went to a catacall audition, and they called him back before he even got home and left him a message on his answering <laughs> machine, children, and he won as the date. As Pee Herman, as Pee Herman. Full regalia, Pee Herman. <laughs> And then in 1980, so the next year, he was like the asshole hotel front desk guy in Cheech and Chong's next movie. Yeah. Which, that was his, that was the first yeah. feature film appearance of Pee Wee Herman. So it's got to be out there. The footage of him on the dating game. The dating game. It's yeah, got to be out there. Yeah. Anyway, so to fast forward a little bit. So after he does Pee Wee's Big Adventure, 
there's one thing I don't want to talk about, and oddly, okay, it's not. Well, let's just talk about the fact that in 2014, somebody yeah. bought a Pratt bike from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and it went for thirty six thousand six hundred dollars. Wait, the bike was still out there. Yes, one of yeah, an original yeah. bike that was used in the Big Adventure, and the uh, article I'm reading it says, which isn't quite a hundred million yeah. trillion billion dollars, but it's still impressive. You know what's really funny? Because there was like this little universe of like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Peewee's Playhouse, the stage show, all these things. What's the last really, one? Big Top? Peewee's Big uh, Top? Big Top Peewee. Well, that's not even the last one. That was the second one, and I did uh, not like that well, one. Well, clearly I must have loved it because I don't even know the name of it. Uh, we'll get there. But I was going to say, I loved like when you get to Peewee's Big Adventure, right? There's Mario. Who owns the uh, the bike shop? What's the name of the bike shop? Do you remember? <laughs> no. Oh, man. <laughs> I smoked that out of me in high school. I'll figure it out as we're talking, but, uh, oh, was it Chuck? I don't know. I think I it was Chuck. I'm embarrassed that I don't it was, know it, It's the name of the bike store that uh, E.G. Daly works at as Dottie. Oh, uh, it's a, it's it a Chuck. man. It's an, it's a name. Yeah. I think, I think it's Chuck. And I think he like, cause he comes to the basement. I just loved how there were like all these like little characters, amazing Larry and like okay. all these other <laughs> random characters and like you know like especially when they go to his basement and it's clear like there's an entire town of people that consider peewee a friend and there's like this entire cast of characters that we barely see but i love that i mean we've talked about it before i love world building and like it leaves me being like oh no i want to go back to the town peewee lives in and and revisit all these characters and i know it was so comforting yeah, yeah it was and I also love the fact that because obviously it's a little bit of fish out of water when you have like Pee Wee Herman, who that's, you know, it's like man child Pee Wee Herman. But then you have Francis, who is just as much of a man child, but he's just the annoying little kid who his well, first daddy. Of all, how did he have the money to give to someone to steal the bike? Let's start there. And how is Pee Wee going to give the $10,000? Like as a kid, I was like, I would get also give $10,000. My parents didn't even have $10,000. How was I getting it? He'll get that bike. And then he got the bike and then it was too hot. So he had to get rid of it. And so. <laughs> oh, man. Also really random. Uh, remember at the end, there's like the nun. Like the, they're yeah. at the, I think one of the nuns, if I'm not mistaken, I got to double check this fact, but I vaguely remember that the one of the nuns is Charlie's mom from It's Always Sunny. Ready for these fun facts? Oh, yeah. Rob Zombie and John Singleton were production assistants on there. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Zombie was a PA on Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> oh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. I believe so, yeah. Oh, wow. Who was the music video in like that they accidentally interrupt? Oh, I don't remember. Also, I am correct. It was Lynn Marie as Marion, an actress who portrays Mother Superior... <laughs> In Kevin Morton's film. You know, like the gibberish that Jambi used to speak? Yes. My mom would be like, Amanda, clean your room. And I'd be like, damn, 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 damn. I would try to speak it back to her like it's a secret language. She doesn't know. Jambi? Jambis. Well, we lost Jambi like, I want to say it was last year. Oh. Did you know that? Am I no. bringing stuff down? Yeah. Um, also, which is spent my whole life calling her Jambi. That's... <laughs> First off, it was a man. All right. Second. Oh, I'm not doing great. <laughs> no, it's okay. Wait, I wait, forgive you. It was a man? Yes. A flamboyant man, but it was a man. Yes. Okay. Well, that's how accepting I was as a young child. Whoever he wanted to be, I accepted. 
But that was the thing. Th- I want you to put that into perspective and like okay. figure out the, like, the people we are, right? Yes. Paul Rubens filled that show with outsiders and people from wherever. Like, it didn't matter, right? Like, you know, like um, Elvira was like one of his like best friends. Yeah. Right? People from like all over, especially like that scene and the Groundlings and like the late 70s. He was just buddies with everybody. You look at like the deep list of people that showed up for like his that tv show alone <laughs> beyond that all the beyond guest appearances Lawrence and stuff. Fishburne as a cowboy what was his name Curtis uh, uh, Cowboy Curtis <laughs> Cowboy Curtis <laughs> Cowboy Curtis uh Phil Hartman was Captain Carl of course first of all when was the last time you looked at a still of Cowboy Curtis <laughs> of yes and the hair yes. on his face is so Jerry off-putting Curl. it's yeah. so off-putting also, I don't know how I missed this, and this is the bigger one. Yes, Lynn Marie Stewart played the nun in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but then she played Miss Yvonne. Whose on- hair won an Emmy, by the way? <laughs> Her hair won an Emmy. Who was the male lady? Uh, Reba? The male lady? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I love how. The notation is sad. I don't remember this stuff. It says a mail carrier who is often confused by the rules of the playhouse. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's funny because in the third season, it's only like three episodes and it's because there was a strike by the Writers Guild of America. Is that real? Yeah. 1988. I was a whopping a year old. And also not to mention, right? First season, one of the young playhouse gang who I think they didn't have a playhouse gang in the third season. I think they got, they nixed that idea. But anyway, they were, uh, Natasha Leone was one of those kids. Oh yes, I do. I did read that. And I did not know that until just reading it today while this was happening. But I I know you don't want to talk about it, but Mm -hmm. we should probably talk about Benicio Del Toro and (laughs) as the dog face boy (laughs) and (laughs) Big Top Peewee. Talk about off-putting hair. Okay. Okay. I, here's the thing. And, and I know and I'm not alone. There's controversy, here. though. Let's just say oh, this really? because, yeah. Okay. So originally, Danny Elfman had to redo the entire score mm-hmm. because originally the film was being produced by a completely different studio. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah. So Danny, they said, okay, you can take it, but you can't use any of the elements from the original score. Oh. And I also think it wasn't great. I don't no. think there's anyone that's going to be like, oh, it was my favorite. I think it, we all just kind of started to be like, it's not good. But the score is pretty bomb. It's real. Well, it's pretty crazy. Is it really? Yeah. It's Just listen back to it. Yeah. Okay. So wait, so just to be clear. So this is Big Top Pee Wee. Yeah. This is 1988. And by the way, in the middle of this, right, he does, he does the voice in Flight of the Navigator of like the weird alien spaceship thing. Yes, I did not know that, but yes. I think the thing with Big, Big Top Pee-wee that like throws me off a little bit, right, is first off, obviously it's not, it's it's very different movie, right? Because it's not directed by- Oh, for sure. Uh, and it's Danny Elfman's yeah. first big movie, just like the other one was Tim Burton's first big movie. This is Danny Elfman's. Yeah. So- Well, because did Danny Elfman do all the music in, in the first one or just, just the theme? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Well, I think the thing that throws me off too is like- it's Pee Wee Herman, and now we're supposed to have this, like, I don't know, love triangle? I don't know. It is weird. And, you know, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Also, 
I was very young watching that. So like I probably watched both of these like five, six years old. Yeah. My brain wasn't there yet. I didn't know half half the time what the fuck was happening in that movie. Yeah. I was like, I don't really care about this. Like, where's the funny, goofy shit? So it was a very different movie. So I want who what studio was the big adventure? Warner Brothers. Okay, so then what studio ended up being Paramount? Okay, so that's why Danny Elfman had to redo all the music. That makes sense. But still, I don't know. I just me. I don't know. Well, all right. So let me let me read some Wikipedia stuff here to like at least put some context here. So it says following the success of the 1985 Warner Brothers film Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Paul Rubin signed up development deal with Paramount to write, produce, and or direct additional projects for the character of Pee Wee Herman. Now, the way I read that is that after Pee Wee's Big Adventure was a gigantic success, right? Made mm-hmm. over forty million on an eight million dollar budget. Obviously, people are clamoring for Paul Rubens. He wants to do more stuff. And Paramount came calling with a better deal probably than Warner Brothers had. And maybe part of it is the fact that they also offered him the option of like directing or whatever it might have been, right? I'm just speculating. But he ends up leaving leaving Warner Brothers to go to Paramount. And then Big Top Pee Wee was the first movie in this deal. And here's the plot of the movie. Because I feel like not a lot of people I think have seen this versus like Big Adventure or even Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's uh, Pee Wee dreams of being a famous singer. That's our carrot in this in this movie. He awakens and goes to work on his farm. So now he lives on a farm instead of his really cool, you know, like toy house that he had in, in Big Adventure. Later, he has lunch with his fiance, school teacher Winnie Johnson. That's where it lost me. Yeah. Because up until this point, Pee Wee, like we had just talked about, is like this nondescript could be anybody, any age, right. anything. I didn't right. love that. No. And I think that's the thing, right? Because even like, I think part of the charm is he acts like a kid. And even with like E.G. Daly, right? In the first one, <laughs> yeah. where she's like, come on, Pee Wee. Like, you know, and like, that's my best E.G. Daly voice, by the way. I believed it. Is she clearly likes him, but it has a very much like kids in the, the schoolyard. Innocence. Yeah, yeah. Those little crushes you have on like, you know, right. someone for 14 seconds. Yeah. Right. And he's, and every time she shows affection, he like, calls himself a rebel and then like blows her off and then laughs about it because he thinks it's funny, right? He doesn't take it seriously. This one movie opens, he's got a fiance. <laughs> and like, I don't know, we're supposed to believe that Pee-wee's on a on his got on a knee and proposed to some it's it's weird. And he's also childlike, right? So it kind of like it's like, I don't know how I feel about this. I know. Okay. I think okay. Anyway. It just felt uncomfortable. I, I'm not going to yes. ever watch it again. Let's be honest. I'm never yeah. going to watch it again. But it felt very uncomfortable. Like I was uncomfortable. Yeah. And then when does he. Okay. So when does he get arrested? Oh, in, in life or <laughs> in, in the movie? life? Okay. That's not until 91. So we still after okay. Big Top Pee Wee, we still have to do Pee Wee's Playhouse, which is for CBS. And that's in 86. That begins in 86 and runs through 1990. And he right. made three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars an episode, which in that yeah. time is yeah. a butt ton of money. I know. I gotta say something. There's only there's only one other, and ironically enough, it was on CBS. Also, there was only a, one other like kids show that I felt sort of captured the essence of what of what Paul Rubens did here. And by the way, I want to give credit where credits due. A lot of what happened, the creativity aspects of Pee Wee's Playhouse. All the different animation styles, all the different storylines and jo- everything came from his group of friends and people that he worked that he with over knew. the years. 
That, well, Pee Wee was based off of a kid he went to camp with. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. But with all of that, they made a very, very conscious effort to do right by doing kids programming. It wasn't them being like, oh, hey, we got free money. Let's go. Let's go do what we want. They had, were very, very conscious and Rubens especially about making a really good kids show and something that was full of heart and entertaining, but like a sort of like. And I, and I forget where the quote was from or where it was, wherever it was mentioned somewhere. But basically his idea was he wanted to show kids that being creative was okay and like the, to be themselves. And it's really beautiful. Yeah. And if you look at like all the people he worked with over the years, like it seems like Paul Rubens, because I, th I think it was part of him too. He latched on to the outcasts of the groups, right? He, he latched yeah, on I mean, to he the people who weren't. He grew up next to the, to the circus families. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the weirdest yeah. of the weird. Yeah. But he wanted it to be, it was greatly influenced by a lot of like the claymation shows and Mickey Mouse Club and Captain Kangaroo and Howdy, like all these things from like- a big Howdy Doody fan, he would always yeah. say, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, and he made that, he built that little world and uh, yeah, anyway, and Jombie was great and Conky and it was just all the characters that would show up. There was such diversity and realism to everybody. Like, I love that about the show, even looking back. Like, it was just, it was just a good show. You know, like you do a character test to people when you meet them and you're like, hey, yeah. have you ever watched this? And they're like, oh my God, that's yeah. so stupid. Like, I can't tell you the yeah. amount of people I've met. And they're like, Will Ferrell is not funny. There is not a single Will Ferrell movie that is funny. And I'm like, I yeah. fucking don't want to spend any extra time with you. If you can't laugh at the stupidity yeah. of, do I think he's the funniest? No, but can I laugh? Yes. Yeah. So there are people out there like that, right? Yeah. I remember being like elementary school age and going to a kid's house and the dad was so excited so it's probably like my f first couple sleepovers, maybe fourth, fifth grade. The kid's dad was so excited. He was like, oh, guys, I got this movie. And it was going to be Pee Wee's Big Adventure, right? Yeah. So this is like 95, 96, okay. all right? He's probably so excited to show his kids' friends, like, they're going to love this movie. It's so funny. Yeah. I remember being at the sleepover and there was three other girls. And there was only me and another girl that thought it was funny and the other two thought it was stupid and they wanted to play that game where you're at the mall and it's a board game with credit cards and I remember <laughs> thinking like this is a really poignant moment for me and like the people that will think the same comedy I think is funny yeah. is funny and like one of my best friends from growing up like we talked about how much we love this <laughs> shout yeah. out Athene how much we loved Pee Wee's Playhouse like we loved this stuff and thought yeah. it was funny and those are the people like if you ask someone if they thought Pee Wee's Big Adventure or Pee Wee's Playhouse was not funny when they were a kid yeah do we want to be friends with them Tom really <laughs> do we want them around and I'm not including your wife because I know she wasn't allowed no but, but you know what's funny is and I was going to say this is and this this was what breaks my heart a little bit is her parents were tainted by the news cycle and they're like, Oh, yeah. you're not allowed to watch that. That guy's a creep. Oh, and it's like, God, oh, and I kind like, of up until today, I, I kind of had it yeah. in my brain that I don't know, struggling yeah. with this. Hey, he's at least he's not a, uh, what was it? Jeremy Jones, the, the Jeffrey Jones, the, that guy. That's super bad. Yeah. It's bad. A, <laughs> this is really bad. He's extra away, bad. Keep him away from Ferris. Um, <laughs> That's why he showed up at his house. 17. Oh 
Oh, oh my god! That's, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, any top Pee Wee, uh, skip it. Uh, for uh, just don't watch it. Here's the thing. I'll give a little bit of credit here. We it's are not my really thing. backing. We're like, let me tell you why you don't like it anymore. You think you like it. Let me tell you why you don't. No, no, no. Here's, here's where I was going to go with this is clearly they tried something, right? And knowing his career and, and like this is clearly like a send up of because like a storm comes and then all of a sudden like the storm clears and there's a giant circus that's just sitting there, right? It's it's First very of all, much that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like that would have been dope as hell if that happened. But it's very much, you know, you mentioned what he grew up with, and this is very much like a take on Wizard of Oz kind of thing, right? There's mm. a lot to it, and it's them clearly being creative. But I think it's such a harsh turn away from what people loved about Pee Wee in Big Adventure. That it's just like, oh, you lost us because now, you know, Benicio Del Toro is a dog. So. Really was a dog. <laughs> really was the dog face boy. Yeah. But okay. So do you think mm-hmm. that if he had not been arrested in 91, this career, the trajectory of his career would have continued to go up? Because you, let's be honest, yeah. you can have a bad fall as an actor, yeah. especially in yeah. like a movie series. Like you can have the bad fall and come back and be like, listen, the second one didn't do as well as we thought. Why do you guys think? Yeah. Let's revisit it. And they could have had a third big giant, you know, in 1992 that was similar to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Or do you think that the people that loved Pee-wee's Playhouse, we were starting to grow up and grow out of this? Well, that was the thing. So so to be clear, right, because I think this is the part that gets buried a little bit or there's assumptions made. They did three seasons on Pee-wee's Playhouse, right? Yeah. It was doing really well. And after the the third season, he originally agreed and said, I'll do two more seasons, maybe even the possibility of a six. But he was like, I, I don't want to do six. I'll maybe mm-hmm. I'll do two. And then eventually he just said, I, I, he's been playing this character now for over 10 years. Right. People don't know who Paul Rubens is. They know who Pee Wee Herman is. And so he was just like, I want to take a pause. I want to work on some other stuff. And like so, being in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, I don't well, blame you. Well, that's you. that's later. But this is where, this is just before, like the end of 1990, where he says they'll do five seasons. They'll do two more seasons, and he'll. but he needs a little break first. And so he goes on break. and it's To visit then, his parents in Sarasota, Florida. Right. And it's there that he goes into an adult movie theater to, you know, relieve some stress. And then uh, someone calls the cops because, you know. He was in there. And the thing is, too, I think what didn't help is, right, you had, like, he was very much trying no, not to look like T.B. Herman. He was that part of a sting. It was part of a police sting. Yeah, I just read it. Jeez. Um, oh, but he, he was very much not trying to look like P.B. Herman. So he was, he had long hair and, like, a goatee and a beard. Like, he looked like he belonged in Florida. But, uh, <laughs> but he didn't look like P.B. Herman. I mean, if he got arrested and he looked like P.B. Herman, that probably would have not... Been a, that would have been a harder recovery. Anyway, I mean, the backlash to that was gigantic, right? Everything that was PB Herman was just removed from places, right? Yeah. He was he was a pariah, and so eventually he pleaded no contest uh, to avoid any charges, and that was it. And he just did some community service, and everything was it, it was what it was. Out of that, he appears on the MTV Video Music Awards. 
sort of retakes the joke back, right? Was people? It, it seemed like people were making fun of him constantly, and then he just got up on stage and you know was like sort of part of the joke. Which he said like um, the saddest quote when he was in an interview after all this, or this may be the second charges. But he said the moment that I realized my name was going to be said in the same sentence as children and sex. That's really intense. That's something I knew from that very moment. Whatever happens past this point, it's already out there. Something's out there in the air that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, then he starts doing these smaller parts and showing up in some random movies and things. He shows up in Batman Returns as Uh the Penguin's father. He shows up in the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And uh, Matilda and Dunstan I checked loved, in, which are the I ones loved, I remember. Like, I loved that he was in Matilda. That's one of my favorite yeah. books slash movies of all time. Yeah. I am a rolled doll kid through and through. Also, yeah. not, not the best person. But um, <laughs> he was a voice in Nightmare Before Christmas, wasn't he? Yeah, and that was the thing. I feel like between Batman Returns and Nightmare Before Christmas, it seemed like Tim Burton threw him some bones. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm making assumptions now, but like he did do a bunch of work in Tim Burton movies like that. So he, yeah, he but was doing that. You're forgetting a pinnacle. What's that? Like 90s, 2000s kid role that he got. He was the voice of You Don't Know Jack. I, that was, I forgot about that. Yeah. That was like, I remember being like, holy crap, this is Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. I think growing up, I don't know if you had this too, but every time he would like pop up somewhere as Paul Rubens, right? Like in Dunstan checks in, he's like the exterminator guy. Yeah. In Matilda, he's the FBI agent. Every time you're like, oh, wait, that's Pee Wee Herman, but not Pee Wee. Like it's the guy who played Pee Wee Herman. And it was almost exciting because it was like, oh, I was almost like excited to see him on other things. And then same. one of the other things he was in that I feel like we got to do an episode on in general, because it's a movie that I think no one talks about. It's mystery a really, men is really, what you're going to say, right? Yes, I'm, a, yeah. I'm absolutely going to say mystery men <laughs> where he played the spleen. And and that was the like, I, yeah, I but think the weird bumps on his face were so gross. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what that's what makes him good. And that movie just in general, like is like, uh, it's first off, I want to be clear about one thing. One thing that annoys the hell out of me as we pass over this thing. There is a movie that features a smash mouth song called All Star on its soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And everyone talks about it. It's Shrek. But guess what? All Star was on the soundtrack for Mystery Men, including the music video, which was filmed with like, like alongside the movie and everything. And the music video even has clips from the movie that were cut out of the movie because it was made for the soundtrack. Okay. So everyone's like, oh, All Star. Yeah. From the Shrek soundtrack. No. Don't hate on Mystery Men. It's not his fault. He lives in a swamp. Okay. And, and 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 this used to be a bigger uh, deal. Also, than let's it is not now. even talk about Smash Mouth because he came what? to Bethel Woods, which is by us, two years ago. Yeah. Was on stage, was so hammered. It was like a beer or wine festival up at Bethel Woods. Do you know the story? No, no, but I know that he's basically in the last couple of years become like, oh no, was that's not so a fucked up. A girl took a TikTok of it, like back yeah. in the the fresh TikTok era, mm-hmm. of him so hammered on stage, he was doing the Nazi salute. He was mm-hmm. telling people to go F themselves, yeah. like really awful things. So Smash Mouth is no more. Yeah. So they so, yeah, no, didn't no. deserve Shrek. Yeah. So to be clear, Steve Harwell of Smash Mouth is a uh, bad man. Yeah. Smash, like, yeah. No, no, no Smash Mouth anymore. But the movie itself, by the way, just to be clear, uh, the music video was directed by Mick G, who I think also did the movie. And then 
has all the characters from the Mystery Men and also includes a cut scene from the movie featuring the Waffler played by Dane Cook, <laughs> which also you would, Dane Cook. maybe hey, they can hang out together and, do, and, you know, just be, you know, terrible footnotes on people's histories. Anyway, I just had to quickly go down a Mystery Men rabbit hole for a movie That's that fine. I think deserves I a little it. bit more. Also, McG directed the music video, but not the movie. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Fucking hilarious. I have not watched it. Didn't 20... A Netflix special came out in the 2015-16 era, right? For people, My son watched it. Yeah. And I I saw him watch it. I saw it. Because Joe Mangiello's in it. Mangiello. Joe Hot Guy is in it. Oh, that's right. Yes. I will say this. I didn't watch it fully, but I did see enough of it to feel like high definition... And Pee Wee Herman, 20 years after we saw him initially. It's sad. It's a little sad because like before it's like, oh, he's childlike. And now it's like, oh, no, it's like his face is stretched and and he's a little like thinner. And yeah, it's not. It wasn't fun to watch. that makes me sad. But that's why I want like he popped up in 30 Rock. Right. Did you remember the episode on 30 Rock? Oh, yeah. And I just I, I that was the one thing is like when he would pop up on things, wouldn't you just be like, yes. Yeah, exactly. There he is. Paul Rubens. Yeah. Oh, Paul. But he was supposed to be doing more Pee Wee movies for Netflix. Well, now we know he got cancer because he said it's a seven year long battle with cancer. So if if it was 2016 that he did the Netflix thing kind of adds up. It's probably when he was diagnosed is right then. Yeah. So and not to mention in the middle of this, too, he also did a stage show. I think it was the the new Pee Wee Herman show that played in New York. I vaguely remember missing it. I was kind of annoyed that I missed it by the time it ended its run. But he had, yeah, he had a little bit of, yeah, like a resurgence a little bit. You know, went back to his roots doing stage show, P.B. Herman stage show. By the way, apparently he went on to reprise his role as the pilot droid Rex in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So apparently you can hear his voice as a pilot droid. So It just makes me kind of sad because there is a, certain magic of for me Pee-wee's Big Adventure yes but Pee-wee's Playhouse was really like I was watching that kind of live time you know so that as a kid who was a fantasy kid I mean I've talked about this a lot like I'm a kid that dove into fantasy to escape what was happening in my real life like I counted on those things that for a lot of me was books yeah but things like this like it felt like a big escapism but also that world he created like when i would close my eyes and i it would be like i wish i could go there that would be so cool i could sit in cherry and i could hang out you know like he yeah. did that and i remember reading a quote when i was doing the research all of um 35 minutes ago that said that he just wanted to create a world where kids could be wild and like he was super hyper as an adult thinking about this is like you know there's a lot of little kids that are really hyper and their parents just want them to sit still and be quiet and yeah. he created a world where it was okay to be hyper and silly and stupid and not make sense and just be a damn kid. Yeah. And also taught me how to be sarcastic. So thank you very much between him and my mom. I got to say, I've been reading over a lot of the things that people have said, like celebrities have mentioned, like, you know, tweets or X's, whatever they're called now. And there's one thing that keeps coming up and it's really heartfelt is I was Conan just reading. O'Brien's? No, no, well, mm. I don't know. I think it might have said something like that too, because uh, I, I saw a few people say it. But I'll, I'll read Corey Feldman. I mean, you never know who's real these days, anyway. But I think this is poor the Corey freaking Feldman. Corey Feldman. That's another person we could just do a whole episode on him. Corey Feldman said 
that he, you know, he's obviously devastated. Uh, he said, we just spent my birthday texting each other back and forth all day. So many people, if you go look at like other celebrities and like That's what they've what said about Brian him. Brian said about the memes he would send all day long. And this is one from David Hasselhoff, which I was, this is a deeper rabbit hole I, I kind of want to go down. David Hasselhoff, Paul Rubens was a great, great friend. He gave me the Muppets for my birthday and never forgot anyone's birthday from our class. He was in my class at Cal Arts and roommates. He was always kind to me and everyone. He will be missed. So first off, David Hasselhoff went to Cal Arts with <laughs> with Pee Wee Herman. Also, my that information out. must have been bad because I said he went to Boston University for a year. So maybe he went to L.A. and then went to Cal Arts. Uh, maybe. I, yeah, I don't know. But I will say everyone says he never forgot a birthday. He never forgot a birthday. That's what Conan O'Brien's. Yeah. I'm just going to call them tweets. Yeah. Elon Musk, you can eat a dick. But he basically said that everyone, and he said, and I mean everyone's birthday was remembered, and he would spend the day sending nonsensical memes yeah. and messages all day long. Like, it's one of those things, right, when you forget someone's birthday, Facebook has made it very easy for all of us to remember yeah. a birthday. But it feels special, right? And so when you're at that caliber, isn't it cool to think that, like, people at that caliber, he even thought to remember their birthdays and yeah. make them feel special on their birthdays like as if David Hasselhoff needed to feel any more special yeah and Paul Rubens knew that they do they still need to feel like freaking people and he spent his whole yeah. life not being himself being a character for the enjoyment of other people that's got to yeah. be so isolating and polarizing and it's like his life is kind of sad <laughs> it's like really sad I mean that's the thing too is you juxtapose juxtapose Pose, juxtapose yeah, yeah we'll go no, with that you one. got it that concept of like the person he we knew he always was right there were these things that hit him because he's a human being or i again i don't know the 2002 stuff i feel like that deserves a deeper dive but now is not the time necessarily but i will say the thing about him too is everything you hear is how kind he was and loving he was he was accepting of everyone and i His think his best the fact friend was joan rivers yeah. Did you know that? That was her I very best friend. That. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Said so she was his mentor too. It's just the fact huh. of like, again, looking at all the people that he elevated and like took along with him on this ride when he finally got a chance was all the people he worked with over the years. It was like, hey, like I'm going to bring my friends along. Like that was him. And then, you know, I, I didn't mention it before. The other show, I think, and it was toward the end of my childhood anyway, was a Weird Al had a yeah. um, Saturday morning cartoon show on CBS, which it didn't last very long. But through that, I will say, I think he set the tone for a generation of humor and like just fun and like creativity. Like we needed that. And, yeah, you know, cause especially in that time, right? It was all commercialization, right? Everything was toys. It was all G.I. Joe and Ghostbusters and all these other things. And then you had this one show that I remember that was the one I clamored for was catching Pee Wee's Playhouse yeah. on Saturday mornings. <laughs> yeah. Because it was fun and energetic. Not and only that, let's just talk about that for one second. And yeah. I've been thinking about stuff like this a lot is there was a certain magic about Saturday morning cartoons, Saturday yeah. morning kids shows. Yeah. And it does not exist anymore that you had to sit down at a specific time with your bowl of cereal and those weird plastic bowls that had the straw built into them to watch <laughs> the show that you wanted to watch because in you know 35 yeah. minutes it's gone you can't watch it again yeah and very often if you wanted to record something on the vcr you'd have to find a video that was probably from your dad's porn stash or had like a you know third birthday party over it and you'd get in trouble for recording over it 
whatever the yeah. fuck it may be. There's a magic of that like Saturday morning cartoon kids show thing that just like does not exist anymore. And I feel like the Pee Wee Herman show to me is like that is where it started for me. Yeah. Yep, that was right. the beginning of like, I want to watch this. Then it led to Nickelodeon and Doug and, you know, like the things that we can yeah. afford. And, but still it started that, that like excitement of Saturday mornings, you got to just be a freaking kid. Yeah. The shows were yours. You weren't sitting there watching the news and playing with your toys while your parents watch the news or yeah. you got the, the TV Saturday mornings. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. And we owe a lot of that to him. Yeah, there's a few shows that every now and then, like I'll, I was, you know, watching some stuff with my my kid and I showed him, we went down this rabbit hole because I showed him Beetlejuice, another Tim Burton movie. Oh, we've got and, Beetlejuice. And first off, I didn't remember how slow the beginning of that movie was because I think the recollection is pretty much like the last half hour anyway. So <laughs> yeah. another fun fact. But anyway, out of that, we went on to like, you know, because we were searching and it's like, oh yeah, there was a, there was a cartoon called Beetlejuice, like the cartoon. We went down to that and it's like, oh, and that led us to some other cartoons that I remember as a kid. I didn't, I didn't like the Beetlejuice cartoon as a kid, really. It wasn't my shtick, but it led me to a bunch of like other, especially like WB Warner Brothers cartoons, like Freakazoid, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Animaniacs, but like Freakazoid is one where it was like, it's so meta and it's like peeking behind the camera and making fun. Like there's an entire episode where they pull out a freak mobile. So he has like a, like a car now and he's like, Oh, this is very toyogenic. And then they pause and they're like toyogenic is a term that was invented by, and like, <laughs> yeah. and it's a real term. And it's about making something in a cartoon that they can turn into toys. And I knowing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, I'm like, Oh my God, someone came to them in a meeting and was like, yeah, you got to come up with something that's kind of toyogenic. And they're like, we're making this a plot point of the that's episode. Incredible. And I love it's that just, so much. I love when shows do that because even though they're getting made fun of, the execs don't necessarily care because they're still yeah. accomplishing the thing that they want them to do. But it's like just stuff like that and like just those like creative shows. Again, I think we, we went over this and I don't know if we've ever said it out loud, but like, you know, everyone talks about Bill Nye, the science guy. And I'm just like, yeah, no, Beekman's world was my thing. Beekman mm, was more I liked my them speed. both. I was a nerd. So I, yeah, however I could get them. Bill Nye no, had better Be- merch though, bro. Like you I could know, get the Bill Nye kits. You couldn't get the Beekman kits. You know what it was though? To me, it was Bill Nye was the polished like, oh, this is for the kids. Beekman's world felt like, it felt like someone was organic. Like No one was placating me. No one was like, oh, here, I'm going to serve this to the kids. This was like a, we're going to do this. It's going to be fun. And, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily educational, but it was like sort of like backdoor, like it's actually educational. Just we don't notice it. Bill Nye is like, whoa, you know, knowledge is power. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, Duh. but Bill Nye is a fucking badass now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Bill, yeah. OK, maybe I always saw the future badassery. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying Bill Nye was. I get it. No, cool. I get it. But Beekman was awesome. And the and like even watching Well, Beekman was like, let's blow this shit up for the sake of blowing this shit up and let's see what fucking happens. Where Bill Nye was like, All right, kids, now let's all gather around. Well, he, there was a lab rat, and then they would talk about how it's just a guy in a lab rat costume. Mm. And he like he's complaining he's only making scale for being on this TV show. Like it was so <laughs> meta in that sense of like. It's like, oh, it's it's here for you. But then they, they do these things where they give you little peeks behind the curtain or like inside jokes. And even as a kid, I'm understanding what's like, you know, making scale means. And it's like, oh, they're basically paying a minimum wage as an actor. 
on this show. I mean, actually pretty sure too. He had, he had a, a like a t-shirt and they would fold it up with like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. In it, yeah. Like yeah. on a kid's show <laughs> <laughs> about science. Oh my God. Do you know what I just remembered? What's that? Pee Wee Herman's and blow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just, like, it was like bigger. That, there was a time where I don't know why, but the group of people that I was friends with in high school, we would watch blow all the time. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. But he was in Blow. And I yeah. just saw before this that he was also on Reno 911, which is like, yeah. I watch clips of that show all the time just to laugh. But and that's the thing, too, is like, above it all, he was a major improvisational comp comedian. And yeah. everything he did, and you look at like, you know, I'm like, again, like looking at like, the fact that he apparently was roommates <laughs> with David Hasselhoff. That is so incredible. I, it's just, I don't know. That stuff is great. And the fact that like everyone's thing is like, yeah, yeah. You remember my birthday? Like, yeah, that was his thing. And even crazier is the fact that like now with everyone saying this, it's like, oh wait, is everyone realizing this now? Is everyone realizing this? Like he was just a really nice guy who would constantly just like re reach out to them for their birthdays. And that was his thing. It just, I don't know, super nice guy. But if again, if you look back at like his show and like the people they had on, a lot of them was like, like he was friends with Cindy Lauper. <laughs> she like just admitted in her biography not too long ago, so many people thought the theme song was sung by someone else. Yeah. And it's Cindy Lauper that sings a yeah. theme song to a show. Yeah, uncredited. Yeah. But, and I also feel like, uh, you know, the 2002 stuff, Yeah, the articles that I had read and today because my fiance mm -hmm. and I actually he said something I was like wasn't he like a child yeah. and he was like I don't think so people are saying like yeah, really nice yeah. stuff so I, I did a little bit of a deep dive eventually and yeah. you know like what you were saying like he bought this erotica in bulk he like you'd buy them in like lots so you'd buy like yeah. just this whole lot and like you'd never be able to get through all of that Yeah. and they went through all of that and the guy yeah. he bought it from was like they were unopened like he could not have known it was there and yeah. it was just let's take that off the table and just like focus on that the person that everyone's talking about, the people that knew him best. And like you said, yeah. he finally got the shot and he didn't yeah. forget everybody. He didn't, he wanted yeah. to bring everyone with him. Yeah. And it, it's so sad because they all kept going. Yeah. And it is nice to see that people just kept throwing him bones, even if it was just for yeah. voice acting work and, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. His life just feels so sad. And you know how I get when I feel like things are sad and yeah. it just makes me sad. Well, I was going to say, too, I mean, keep in mind, because I think this is this is important, too, is I think there are a lot of sleazeballs in Hollywood, right? Yeah. There are a ton Super, of sleazeballs yep. in Hollywood. That said, and even after everything happened, he gave an interview. I forget where it was, but he like he it destroyed him. Like the fact that it would constantly like it was like, oh, yeah, him, oh, you know, like sex predator, like, yeah, it destroyed him because he cared so much. So much, yeah. And, and that's why, like, as much as I didn't like the movie, and for years I wrote it off, I'm like, oh, my God, Pee-wee's, <laughs> big top Pee-wee was, ugh. But you look at it, and it's like, no, he worked with his friends. He made this movie. Yeah. Like, he worked, he, like, he did something with all of his buddies to, like, make this thing and, like, give them roles and... And I, I applaud that. Like, yeah, it didn't work, right? <laughs> no one really liked the movie. Don't watch it. It's not worth it. But he tried, right? He And and like, even when he did like a little kid's show, he's bringing on all his friends that he worked with over at the Groundlings and all these other places. And, and I mean, above anything else, the guy showed he had a kind heart. And I hate, you know, like that term, like people get their flowers when they die. When yeah. things like this happen, it, it makes me so sad because 
And I'm sure he was surrounded by people that gave him his flowers while he was going through this cancer. And, you know, when when you're going through something like that, people do tend to tell you how great they think you are because they have time to do that. It's not sudden. Yeah. But I also feel like the world is now getting to see a version of someone that, you know, myself included, had kind of written off a little bit. And and there was something to be said. And this is to be said with a lot of comedians, unfortunately, that we, you know, die by suicide or substance abuse is they spend their whole lives living for other people, like to make other people laugh. Their whole lives are to bring smiles to other people's faces. And he wanted to create a world where he did that. And he did do that at the sacrifice of himself. I do like the articles. And I remember this vividly about how many fans wrote him support letters. Yeah. And we're like, like, we're still behind you. And and now that he's passed, you know, I think we're getting a little glimpse into how much he meant to other people because his name kind of is just still the butt of the joke. Yeah. You know, like no matter what happens, someone he's still the butt of the joke. And, you know, he could say he was OK with it, but I don't think anybody's OK with it for yeah 50 freaking years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like there was a big tribute to him, like the San Francisco Sketch Fest did an entire thing for him and he showed up to it. Yeah. I mean, he was loved, right? He had his Hollywood Walk of Fame star and but that people happened had thrown early, like 88. Yeah. So like the world still loved him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I, he, I don't know. It, 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 his, his movie is classic and all the, and it's always fun to just watch Paul Rubens pop up and other stuff because he dedicated yeah. his life to a character. And I will say this. Right. Because I, I think he never came off as the kind of person who was like, oh, all right with that character, like stop playing the character. Yes. Like even when he revived the stage show, it was like to a resounding success. Like people wanted it. It wasn't like he was like trying to continue on with this character. And clearly, like he played other roles. He enjoyed it like he's a comedian. And so he kept going with other things. But like, I don't know, like he was like he had ideas for this character he created that kept his career going for such a long time. And every time he would like step back into it with the exception of big top Pee Wee, like (laughs) people would embrace it. And for what it's worth, the Netflix movie like did really well. And so there was, that's why there's more lined up, but it just, you know, we'll we'll never see that now. So. Well, it's a sad day. And we touched on this before we started recording, but the beginning of the day started with finding out that he had passed the end of the day with Angus cloud from euphoria also had passed. So. Yeah, it's a weird day. And, weird and, day. and he was young, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how old was he? 25, I think. Yeah, that's rough. So, but a very sad day for the comedy world. Sad day to my childhood. It feels like yeah. part of it is gone. But if you haven't gone back, go watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I think it's a good way to honor him and honor that like part of your childhood that you kind of tucked away. But, you know. That's why we like I Think You Should Leave, Tom, because we grew up laughing at Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, I was going to ask you, if you had to pick one, except for Pee-wee's Big Adventure, I'm taking that off the table. What other Paul Rubens or Pee-wee Herman movie would you recommend? Movie? Or anything. Anything out there. Taking Big Adventure off the table, I was a bigger fan of the show. Yeah, Pee-wee's Don't get me wrong. I should say I was a fan of the show first. Watch yeah. the movie after and then watch the movie so many goddamn times. I probably ruined the VHS rewinding it. But <laughs> yes, I was a fan of the show first. Have you ever seen the uh, the Christmas special? The Christmas special is supposed to be great. Definitely have seen the Christmas special. Do not remember yeah. it, but maybe yeah. that's what I'll revisit in memory. 
Yeah. Well, as I say, the Christmas special has like little Richard and it's a cavalcade of 80s throwbacks. I love that. And there With was the exception of Star Wars. I love that in the 80s and 90s and 70s and like that whole like 30, 40 year period, everything had to have a Christmas special. The movie did well. It's getting a Christmas special. Yeah. I'm trying to Magic Johnson, Joan Rivers, Zsa Kabor, Oprah up. Winfrey, Whoopi Goldberg, Little Richard, Cher, Charo, Cher? Katie Lang, and Grace Jones, among some others who uh, show up. I love that. Oh, Frankie Avalon is in there. Yeah, I'm going to watch yeah. it. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like, these are all people that he was just like, you know, I mean, obviously there's a team behind it and stuff, but like, these are the people that he chose to come on to the Christmas special. Like, I it's know. just like this weird set of people who aren't like so, so mainstream or like just talented in their own right. Like, I, that's, I don't know. I, I celebrate him for that. Me too. And when, even when he was there, he elevated everyone up. And by the way, yeah, the, it was Cindy Lauper was the theme song. She credited herself as Ellen Shaw and she was imitating Betty Boop. Oh, perfect. Like, perfect, yeah. perfect. <sighs> anyway, long live Paul Rubens. Long live Paul Rubens. And thanks yeah. for uh, a really weird obsession oh, with I was comedy say, if that's I can, weird. I'll make a recommendation if you haven't seen it. Have you ever, okay. did you ever see the original 1981 HBO special? No. Okay. Apparently, I, I read somewhere it's supposed to be on the Max. Okay. Go watch it. Uh, I well, highly recommend it. And if anything, it, it also stars Phil Hartman. Uh, love it. I'm rewatching Gossip Girl right now on Max. Yeah. So I'll fit it in there. Yeah. It's a short. It's like, I think it's like 40 minutes long, but it's like totally worth it. And it, and it gives you a glimpse of the early makings of Pee Wee as the character. And like, you know, Ooh, I uh, like that a lot. Yeah. But uh, okay, I, I, totally worth watching. Go watch that if you can. Or rewatch Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Or Pee Wee's Playhouse if you can find it. I don't even know where it is. I mean, it, it was I watched a, a couple thing. clips on YouTube today, and then TikTok had them like nobody's business, and I fell yeah. down a rabbit hole. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, it, it was owned by CBS, so if they're smart, this is gonna go on Paramount Plus if it's not already there. So I, I hope it. I hope it shows up. I have Paramount Plus, but also, how many fucking streaming services do I pay for? I don't even know. I hope my fiance just never finds out. We got to like share them. Isn't that what we're, we're not supposed yeah, to do? I've got five goddamn sisters yeah. and um, two moms and two dads. And I share them with all of them. And it, finally, yeah. I will say the Netflix caught on. And my sister tried to log in. They're like, you ain't home. She's like, no, I ain't. Never mind. And <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and I love that instead of paying like the $6.99, she's like, well, I guess yeah. I can't watch Netflix anymore. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're so well, fucking cheap. <laughs> it's over now. That's it. It's over. Well, All worst right. case scenario, apparently the entire series is, is available on DVD also. So it's uh, remastered also. Wow, that's exciting. So says you, I, I don't I have a fucking DVD player. I have an Xbox 360. Oh, yeah. Can I throw it in there? If it has a disc drive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. So right, wait, maybe. I can on my PlayStation 5, right? Oh, yeah, that works. I'm saying mine. It's Henry's, but I bought it for myself so I could play Hogwarts Legacy. Have you played it yet? <gasps> yeah, of course I have. Okay. I got my I'm wife obsessed. into it. We got, we got her like a pin controller and everything, and we have to sit her down and play with it. So, All right. Well, completely not. On, well, a little bit. It is Harry Potter's birthday. But yeah. yes, I will watch the HBO special, and I'm going to also watch the Christmas special. But maybe I'll wait till Christmas time. I'm a very yeah, seasonal no, yeah. watcher. I'm with you. Like certain movies and shows I really like to watch in the fall, the winter, the summer. So, yeah. We should make a list of like movies and specials to watch for Christmas. Like that's a uh, great idea uh, coming to the season. So that is a wonderful idea. We will get on that. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Well, okay. 
Oh, sad, but <laughs> bye. Yeah, bye, everybody. Bye, guys. See you next time.